There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen? You know that, do you not? You have experienced that at work or in your family when you brought up the name of Jesus. I thought I was uh, approaching a rather innocuous subject yesterday when I spoke to the Secular Humanist Association about moral excellence in the teachings of Jesus. But I tell you what, Jesus stirs high emotions in this town. And he stirs high emotions in your family. And when you bring up Jesus, you bring up the name that uh, calls people either to loyalty or controversy. And he is the one we worship. He is the one we adore. Why? Because he is God's son and our savior. He is the promised one. He is the culmination of God's revelation from Genesis all the way through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant, the priesthood, the sacrificial system, the prophets, all culminating in Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so there's power in that name. Next week, I intend to preach on caring for your spouse. All right? We are forwarding God's care in the book of Ephesians, which means we have received the compassion of Christ and the care of Christ, and we're passing it on to others. We love because he first loved us. And Paul applies that principle to husbands and wives in the next passage that we have here in the book of Ephesians. So that's the subject of next week. I hope you'll be here and bring family and friends and let's think together about being husbands and wives under the lordship of Jesus. Today I'm talking about making the most of every opportunity, forwarding God's care by making the most of every opportunity. And that's the reason actually I accepted the invitation to speak to the Secular Humanist Association here because when I got the invitation I was meditating in this text and I thought well that must be making the most of every opportunity so I went to share with them my faith in Christ and how I build my life upon Christ as a follower of his and now I believe that the most powerful ways in which you share your faith are those occasional opportunities which surface, which maybe you do not plan, but they just happen around the table, in the classroom, in recreational events, sometimes in family crisis, where all of a sudden you're presented with an opportunity to turn someone's thoughts to Jesus himself as the Savior and the answer to their problem and the solution to their need. And so those occasional opportunities are very important. Uh, Peter says, be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always. So we're talking about making the most of every opportunity this morning, and I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5 now, and this next paragraph, starting with verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15, and this is in the New International Version. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, 
but is wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, three simple things. Wise time, will fill, sing song. That's my outline today. You know, it's pretty simple to remember. Wise time, will fill, sing song. That's how I take these verses from the book of Ephesians. Wise time. What am I talking about there? Be very careful how you live. Your life matters. Every day that you live matters. Notwithstanding the carnage in the streets of New Orleans, where the communication seems to be that human life has little value, we are people who believe that life is very valuable, of infinite worth in the sight of God. And therefore, we believe in the sanctity of life and the sanctity of your life and every day which you live. And brother, the days that you live on this planet are important. What you did yesterday was important and what you will do tomorrow. And Paul is again talking about the walk that we have. Be careful then how you live. And the idea is how you walk be careful about your walk. Be wise. This little saying here, uh, being wise and making the most of every opportunity, has a parallel in the book of Colossians where Paul says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And then he uses the phrase, make the most of every opportunity. I'm talking to you this morning about you, how, how you live in your world how you behave, and what you do. Be wise in your relationships with outsiders, people who are outside of faith in Christ. They're outsiders to us, and we're outsiders to them. And you don't realize how, how outside they are until you begin to talk to them about your heart about following Christ, about what Christ means to you and how you shape your life based on his example, his teaching and his work of redemption on the cross. And as you start talking to people who are not in faith in Christ, you realize how outside they are in your own experience, your understanding. Be wise in the way you treat 
outsiders, brothers and sisters. Be careful out there in the world. God is at work in the lives of people around you who do not have faith in ways that you can't imagine. And what you want to do is cooperate with God in his work in those outsiders. So your walk is vitally important. Be very careful. Your life matters. Walk circumspectly, the King James Version says. That is accurately, diligently, and carefully. When I read about wisdom in the scripture, I want more. Part of what I want is more information. Okay, Lord, you want me to be wise. Walk as a wise person. How do I do that? What is wisdom? And Paul has two comments here on the idea of walking in wisdom. And the first is make the most of every opportunity. Now, King James translates that redeeming the time. Making the most of every opportunity is about time. It's time sensitive. Opportunities come and then they go. Have you ever, ever had an opening that you genuinely knew was an opening for you to share your faith in Christ and you passed it up? You ever done that? And you walked away from that opportunity and the Holy Spirit just wrung your heart? Has that ever happened to you? Where a window opened for you to say something to somebody struggling with their faith, struggling with their life, and you passed it by. Timing is vital. And what the apostle is saying is, look, when the opportunity comes, you cease it. You make the most of it. You maximize the opportunity. Right here in our city, I'm wondering about the opportunity our congregation, our family of faith has to share Christ with our city. And when I reflected on this, I talked to the staff and said, asked them, I said, what opportunities do you see out there that are opening up for us? You know, this week we opened a new feeding station. We're calling it the Gentilly Lowe's feeding station. And uh, we now have three feeding stations on a weekly basis, feeding about 300 people, probably half of them hope, ho homeless, and then the other half just in need. And as we feed people, we deliberately pray with them, meet them, ask them how they're doing, seek to build relationships with them. We are preaching the gospel and building a church in one of those feeding stations. In another one, there is a Bible study that is going on. There is an opportunity that we have as a congregation right now to express the love of Christ in this very practical way. God just ordained that when I got on the plane to fly to Atlanta Monday morning, that he seated beside me a person who's going to become the new principal at Dibert School. Now, Dibert 
is our partnership. We've been working over at Dibert for two years. We take backpacks over there every week at the, uh, uh, in cooperation with the principal and the social workers. And those backpacks are for the children most at risk of hunger over the weekend. We have bought them uniforms. We have held breakfast for them. We have done book fairs for them. We've been over there and done planting and landscaping and helped them with their building. And we're seeking just to love that community. In fact, there are going to be some Dibert folks, and we hope lots of them, at the crawfish boil this afternoon. God sat me down beside this person I'd never met before, and she didn't know me. And before we left, I said, you know, this had to be providential. This had to be God. I mean, I just don't believe in, in uh, chance. This is, this is God giving us an opportunity to meet and see what he's up to in our part of the world. All around us, God is at work. And he's at work in your life. And the people that seem hardest and most difficult to you, there's going to be a window of opportunity for you to love them, to pray with them, to pass on the care that God has given you, the mercy, the grace, the love, the forgiveness. And as you do so, you are expressing the love of Christ in your world. There are two things I said about wisdom. The first is timing. You're a wise person if you take advantage of opportunities and you make the most of them. The second is because the days are evil. Another comment on time. Making the most of opportunities is about time and the days are evil is also a matter of time. You realize that we're living in a world that needs Jesus badly. Amen? I mean, folks out there need to know the love of Christ. And because the things are the way they are, we are wise to live out our faith boldly in our world. It is wisdom for you to speak up at work, at the break time, to make your faith known, to declare your allegiance to Jesus, to speak the name of Jesus in public. That is wise for you to do because there's a world out there that needs him desperately. When I pray for you, and I do daily, the assembled congregation, I know that gathered here, there are all kinds of needs. And if we were to ask for prayer requests in this room, hands would go up everywhere, and people are struggling with all kinds of things. That's true in your office. It's true in your classroom. It's true in your workplace. That very same thing is true. And as people hit the wall and need surface in their life, it is your opportunity to pass on God's care. Will you do it? Spend your time wisely, the scripture says, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Now I'm going to talk more about wisdom on May 9th, which is Mother's Day. My sermon's uh, title for Mother's Day is going to be, You Excel Them All. And it is a culmination of the book of wisdom 
the book of Proverbs in the Bible. There's a lot about wisdom in the scripture. Wise time and will fill. Therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish. He's tying together previous verses about wisdom with what he's going to say now. But understand what the Lord's will is. You want to know the Lord's will. You want to walk in his will. Some of you are praying about his will. You want to follow him, but you're not sure what his will is. Paul says, understand what the Lord's will is. Verse 18, do not get drunk. Hey, there's something everybody in the room can do. That's the Lord's will. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk on wine. Wherein is dissipation. Now why would it be God's will for you not to get drunk? Because every moment counts. Every conversation counts. Every minute you have with your child. Every encounter you have with your parents, your siblings, your friends. It all matters. And some of us are trying to deaden our hearts and brains partly because we hurt and we're in pain and we want to check out we don't like the stress of dealing with pressure and relationships and we'd like to fill up with wine so we don't feel so bad you want to know what the Lord's will is you stay engaged every waking moment don't self medicate yourself into oblivion don't disappear from the people who need you stay awake stay alert We know people check out not just with wine, but with drugs, prescription drugs, I think sometimes electronic drugs, you know, where our lives are just stuffed with things that do not matter. And the scripture says it is dissipation. Now that's the word for excess. It's like taking all the precious minutes and moments and relationships of your life and pouring them out on the ground like a, ga a, ga a can of gasoline and just poof, lighting it on fire. Then it's all gone. It's the prodigal son just spending it all, just going at it, just burning it all away. For what? For what? What do you get up in the morning for? 
Why do you answer the alarm clock? Why do you go to work? What's your life about? Don't be drunk with wine. Don't live in dissipation. Don't let the energies and resources and gifts of your life just pour out into nothing. Be wise. Wake up. Make the most of every opportunity. You know why some of us hang on to the nothing that we fill up with? Because we don't know there's an alternative to the nothing. Somehow we got convinced that nothing is all there is. And it's just one drudgery after another, all connected in a train of life. That's why I'm so glad the scripture says, don't be drunk with wine, where in there is dissipation, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. God doesn't want to leave you with nothing. It's nothing you're stuffing your time with. God wants to fill you with something that is powerful and purposeful and maximizes the gifts and talents of your life. God wants you to live life on the highest plane, to achieve excellence in all he's created you to be and do. And the way to do that is to be filled with the Spirit. You can be filled with a lot of things. Some of us are filled with pride. I guess we all fight it. Arrogance, self-sufficiency. Don't need anybody. Fill up my own life. Some of us are filling our lives with toys. You know, the one who dies with the most toys wins. That's life. Fill it up. Hey, here's a way to live. Here's an alternative. Be filled with the Spirit. Can you handle it? You say, what is that? Is that? What is filled with the Spirit? It is the absolute and complete surrender of your life to the purposes of God. It is following Christ and His care for you by pouring out your life for the other. It is you opening your heart so to Christ who has opened his heart to you that all of your life is merged with him so that you share one life and it is his. And the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who has loved you and given himself for you. It is for you to say, my life is not my own. I am bought with a price. It is for you to wake up every day and say, Lord, thank you for this day. What would you have me do? You will fill your life with something. It is not unusual for a minister to have a conversation with someone who says, I feel like I've wasted my life. 
There are some people who get to the end and feel that way. The prodigal son blew it all. But the picture of God is so powerful. As Jesus tells the story of the prodigal who took his entire inheritance and threw it over a cliff and woke up destitute, sorrowful and empty and came to himself, the scripture says, woke up, said, what am I doing in this mess? I got a father who's got a kitchen and food and jobs. I'm going back to him. Maybe he'll hire me as one of the hired men. He always has people working for him. And he gets up and he goes. And Jesus says, the Father in heaven watches for the one who threw it all away and ended up empty. He watches for his gate. He knows his look. He knows his profile. That son that left is always in his thoughts. That's you. He loves you. The Father in heaven loves you. And he's waiting for the day when you turn around and come back to him. And say, here, Lord. Here I am. I know I've messed up. But would you give me a job? The father won't even let him finish the speech before he throws his arms around him and gives him a kiss and puts the ring back on his finger. The ring of power and authority in the household. That's the father. He loves you. Be filled with the spirit. This is the God who made you and made you for his purposes. Stop expending your life on nothing. Don't fill it with dissipation. Wake up to the reality of the moment and give your life to the significance God has in store for you. Be not drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Wise time will fill. Sing songs. Now, I like this next passage. I want you to look at it. Speak to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In order to have communication in music, somebody's got to speak and somebody's got to listen. And we are to speak to one another this way. Say, have you spoken to anybody recently in your life through a song? Or a psalm? Or a hymn? It is common language in our day. These lyrics put to music. And the command is, Church of Jesus Christ... Sing to each other. Let's listen to one another's song and see where our heart is. We'll know each other better and know our Father better as we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, music has been 
the territory of the church for hundreds of years. God's people love to sing. Now here's a disposition for you. Something I recommend right here in the text, okay? You're going about your day. You're just busy. You have lots of appointments. You're stuck on the interstate. You're going to the grocery store. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. When you're in the traffic jam and somebody has cut you off, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. When those sixth graders in your classroom will not behave, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. When things aren't going your way, that's all right. Sing and make music. Can you sing and make music? Can you do it in your heart? What does God want going on in your heart every day? Lord, what is your will for me? I'm looking for your will. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Turn your thoughts and your mind and your heart to the Lord who loves you and sing and make music. Church of Jesus Christ, sing and make music. Young people, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. That's the disposition God wants in you. Make some music to the Lord. Turn your heart toward him and sing. Can you do this? Will you do this? Will you take the songs that point to him and sing them and live in this way? I mean, think about this walk. He started out by saying, be careful how you live about your walk. Make the most of every opportunity. Be careful how you live toward outsiders. The days are evil. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Hey, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. This is the disposition. This is the attitude. This is the orientation of your life that God wants in you. And it's a wonderful way to live. It's a glorious thing to do. It's transformational. It changes life. You know, I don't pretend to know everything that goes on in the mind of a secular humanist. I'm sure they're just as diverse as us in all their approaches to life. But there are two things I came away from yesterday thinking about. And one of them is how our behavior is fundamentally humility. Jesus laid down his life for me. I lay down my life for my brother. How fundamental humility is to the teaching of Jesus. Putting the interest of others ahead of myself. Finding out what the Lord's will is. Not my will. Not what I want. But what does he want? And living my life that way. You see the humility in that? You see how it is modeled in Jesus who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. You see how a follower of Jesus cannot be puffed up and full of himself. 
cannot be arrogant and proud and faithfully reflect his Lord. You just can't live that way. Not if you're following Jesus. When you're following Jesus, you've got to lay down your life. It's Jesus who said the first will be last and the last will be first. It's Jesus who said unless you fall into the ground and die, you can't produce what I want you to. You deny yourself. You take up your cross daily. That's Jesus. That's his, that's his basic fundamental. And humility is fundamental to how we behave in our world. And we need to faithfully reflect that among outsiders, in our marriages, in our families, and at work. The other thing is that I came away with is this. Gratitude is fundamental to how we live. We are grateful every day in every way. That's why he ends this passage, this paragraph, by saying, always giving thanks to God the Father. The president of the association said, I've done the invocation three times at city council for the Secular Humanist Association. I said, who'd you invoke? See, to follow Jesus is to have in every day a theme of gratitude that touches all of life. Gratitude is the antidote for depression, despair, frustration, anger. The things that boil inside of us. To get up in the morning and thank God for the bird that sings and the flower that blooms in your backyard and the wonderful family of which you are a part, the friends that he has given you and the life that he gives you day by day, always giving thanks. Now, this gratitude that he ends us with, sing songs, make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. This gratitude is how you faithfully reflect the Father's will and purpose in your world. we got to get back to it. If we discover we have an ungrateful spirit, we have identified a place where we are out of the Father's will. Trying to discover what the will of the Lord is. It's not just making the most of every opportunity. It's not just avoiding the dissipation, but filled with the Spirit. Not just singing songs and making music in your heart. It's always giving thanks. How different life would be if gratitude, humility, and a song to the Lord were the qualities of every day in every way for me and you. Let's bow together. If you'd like to come and pray during this time, you're welcome to come up here and kneel before the Lord. Maybe you have a burden on your heart for somebody and you'd just like to pray.
If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, this would be a great moment to pause and say, Lord, I need you. I know I have sinned. Forgive me for my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want him in my life. Would you make that prayer to him? In a moment, would you let one of our prayer counselors know? Maybe you're dealing with something that has stolen your joy and stolen your song and dried up your grateful spirit. Our prayer counselors will be glad to pray with you. God, we want you to do your work in us. Not only every day do we want to be filled with the Spirit, but we want this room now to be filled with the Spirit. That your Spirit would speak to us, God. Bring your healing touch to our heart, our attitudes, our minds, our relationships and disposition and outlook. God, bring to bear upon us your Spirit right now. We ask in the powerful name of Jesus, our risen Savior, amen.